What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It's your boy, Jonathan Macri, coming at you with another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast. Of course, coming at you on a Monday, which means my co-host is here. I'm so happy to welcome him on this day, perhaps more than all other days, because it's time, Jeremy Cohen. It's time. This is the holiday season. <laughs> I mean, th- like this is this is. Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, all of the great holidays wrapped into one. It's amazing. I mean, because I was thinking about this right now is this perfect time if you're a Knicks fan because nothing's happened yet and we're all so eager, but it means also nothing bad has occurred. Uh, (laughs) I was thinking about this, how it's astonishing to me that we, I mean, at least from what I have seen, um, and maybe people feel differently, but based on past precedents, it feels like every year is essentially how are we going to navigate through this minefield? Like, are we going to yes. get tripped up from the get-go? Are we going to think that we're almost out of the woods? Like, again, I remember everything seemed great. Uh, you know, everything seemed perfect uh, the year that they signed Tim Hardaway Jr. And then they signed wow. Tim Hardaway Jr. Six days, it seemed right. good. I, mm-hmm. I tried to figure out a way like, oh, no, it's cool. My leg just got blown off, but I can take it. They have great prosthetics out there. Um, <laughs> obviously, it did not go very well. So... Right now, it's like we know that we're going to get through the minefield. Um, hopefully, we do it intact. But I'm I'm excited. Can you I, know, you, how can you not be excited? I, I mean, here. But here's I think why I'm excited, and I'm going to start off. We have a lot to get to, uh, including some I don't want to say news that just broke, but some a Woj. Um, we really need a, a glossary of Woj. Like insert your your noun here. Um, whatever. Woj, Woj announcing that uh, Harden apparently is already looking at the Nets as a possible trade destination. Um, how nice of him. Um, my question to you, though, is as a preface to everything we're going to talk about. Other than trading a future first round pick. And I'll actually even go so far as to say trading the eighth pick also and trading RJ Barrett. And even though we, we have disagreements about Mitchell Robinson, let's throw that in there too. Other than those four things, do you think that there is anything the Knicks could do this offseason which would have you running for the hills screaming? I'd say, you know, there's a lot I'm comfortable with, right? Even in the draft, um, yeah. a lot of different options. I think there are a couple of players like um, – top and a Halliburton that I would be a lot less enthusiastic about, but okay. I could probably say, you know, Oh, well top and he's a, a rookie of the year candidate. And if you sell high on that type of asset, you can maybe yeah. get something. Um, Halliburton maybe to a lesser extent, but I could spin it in a lot of different ways for free agency. I think that if I saw anything that was probably more than two years, like if it were three years or beyond, 
I get a little apprehensive about so it. So like and three I, three for 45 for Christian Wood would probably not have you happy. Yes, I could I could figure out a way to say, look, you know, I still don't know how he and Mitch are going to fit together, but Mitch is going to be in foul trouble. So maybe there's a way that you can get Wood in there uh, to do something <laughs> that's positive. That sound the, the just the way that came out of my mouth sounded wrong, but we're going to keep going. Well, between the, the way you could get the wood or get wood in there and the way that came out of my mouth, I think we're off to a running start on our, on our first time doing this. Yeah. yeah um, I guess it, this probably leads us into our first bigger discussion, but I think that the one thing for me that would really kind of push me over the edge would just be dealing for Russell Westbrook. And I know you, you, and, yeah, period. Because Again, I just to preface it, there are several concerns I have about who he is as a player, uh, how that fits. It's not that he's a bad player. He's a diminishing player, but there's still talent there. And there's yes. still, you know, there are qualities that you want him to embody that he does. And you can see why that's exciting. Yes. My issue isn't building around the player. My issue is building around the contract. So we're going to have a fun time today. Sure. And the thing is, in terms of the Chris Paul deal, what made me more comfortable is all right, it's two years because I don't really see 20. I don't see the Knicks doing very much until around 2022 anyway, which is I when you could start to see them take a bit more of a step. They have more cap space at their disposal. They're, uh, um, you know, it's just a, a much more compelling time. Agreed. And Westbrook's final uh, you know, year being $47 million is a killer. That really hurts which we now know today officially we had a sense already when they announced it was probably going to be 3% raises. The anticipated cap for uh, the season that you're talking about is 115 million. So some quick math, 47 over 115 is uh, 40 something percent. I'm going to, I'm going to grab my handy dandy calculator as you finish your thought. Yeah, it's a lot. Um, and, you know, we could talk about how, well, he's an expiring contract, uh, Teams would love that, but 40.1%. But the reality is, even if you're sending that contract out, teams may not want a a 34-year-old Westbrook on a $47 million contract. They would probably rather use that money to spend on anything because teams would rather take on, they would rather have, you know, cap space than take on a bad contract if they're trading their star away. So again, that's the the kind of thought process I have, which is you can figure something out as I think someone like um, Pat Riley figured out, yeah, you, you can get rid of contracts, but we're not talking about $47 million in one contract. We're talking about several different big contracts broken up that are more easy to move. So, uh, okay. So let's, um, let's talk about, so here's, here's where I'm at with Russ. I hate Russell Westbrook. Do you <laughs> like him as a player? I think it's, it's kind of fake. In a lot of ways, it feels like a facade. I respect the uh, fact that he, you know, I know that players love him and teammates love him. So I can't obviously talk about, you know, that because I don't have that re- experience. But from what I. I see, he just kind of feels like this player who, yes, he can elevate other guys, but um, he's really going to want his. And, and that's okay in the right environment, but not to the detriment of winning. Um, and it just feels like he can't be the guy on your team. And I think that the, not the, if you want to win a championship, right? And if we're not contending for a championship, or if that's not the goal, then what are we doing here? Why well, are we bringing Westbrook in? Right, I, I understand that you want to change the mindset, and Channing Fry did a great job talking about this on um, Nixon TV. Yes, he did. But it's still you can find other guys to 
do that. That's, you don't have to bring in Westbrook on that contract to get that type of you know situation done. So I, okay, you mentioned Pat Riley, good old Riles, um, Heat culture, all the bullshit. It's just it's all it's all it's bullshit upon bullshit upon bullshit, but it's real. There's something down there, right? Just like that there's something in Toronto, there's something in San Antonio, there's something in these organizations that they have gotten it right for long enough where it just, there's the, there's the good juju um, and it makes people want to be a part of it. And even when, even when the chips are down, like Zach Lowe, who we both have a lot of respect for said 18 months ago, I think, is there any worse situation in the league? Could it be argued that there is um, that the Heat are the worst situation in the league, right? And they just went to the finals because of all of the bullshit. But it's it's again, it's real bullshit. Okay, the Knicks are as far away from getting to that point as any team in the league. There are some other teams, right? Who like the Cavs? Uh, maybe a few others, but. The long and the short of it is the Knicks are a long way away. Russell Westbrook is one of, I don't know how many players when they walk into your building. And again, I say this as someone who hates his game. I hate his attitude. I hate the fact that he gets away with stealing rebounds from players who deserve them more. I hate the fact that he just feels like it's okay to take five terrible shots a game and he knows they're terrible and everybody knows they're terrible. And yet they're afraid to tell him because he's Russell Westbrook. And oh my God, we have to worship the ground that he the ground that he walks on as a as a as a franchise. Um, I hate all of that about him. But even saying that, I have to admit, the moment he walks into your organization, he is one of 10 to 15 guys in the league, if that, who everybody has to take you seriously because they're there. And I I disagree with you in the fact that I don't think there are other ways. The other ways to get that are you become good organically. And really. That's what this discussion is about for me is, is there, what is the more likely way for the Knicks to become good? Trying the old fashioned organic route, which every fan was 90% of fans who listen to this podcast probably want, or go out and get yourself for us, Westbrook, or to a lesser extent of Chris Paul. That's where I'm at. I think. Yeah, it makes sense. You're not going to find that type of talent on the floor who can bring you what you're talking about. But it's not just talent. That's right. What, it's, 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 it's talent. It's, what it's it embodies. attitude. It's of all of the, all of the, the, the persona, right? It's, yes. It's what he personifies. Of course. Yes. The thing I would argue in that case is, okay, well, look, look at what the Knicks have brought in. Maybe it's not on the court, but you've brought in respect at the top. It, it flows through to the bottom. I it's get it. the court, I, it, but, but it trickles down. That's the point. It is it? there. That's my question. I'm asking. Well, but the thing is, again, it doesn't have to happen immediately. What you're saying, and granted, I understand it's bringing a guy in the building, your culture changes like that. I get yes. that. But then that's I can't also, sign my fingers, by the way. That's okay. I, I'll do it for you. That was really impressive. There we go. Thank you. That's, that's good. One of my few talents. Um, <laughs> yes, I get it. If you want to bring someone who has a, a cha- who can change your franchise, the face of your franchise, right away, that's the type of move you would make. But again, this isn't something that you solve in a day. This isn't something you solve in a year. And there are other players that you can bring in there that maybe aren't quite as polarizing, but still have had talent in the past, have been in that position where they've, you know, they've been at the top of their games and their games look good. I don't, you know, we can get, you know, 
we will get into this a little bit more. It's tricky. I understand that. I, I, I full heartedly get it. But it doesn't mean that, okay, well, there's one available. And even though he may not fit in the grand scheme of our things, we're changing something right now. You're already trying to change something. You're bringing in other people. And again, the idea is that we don't necessarily know who else is out there that you would want to bring in if you're the Knicks. They're, they're, we know that the NBA has turned a blind eye to tampering. For all we know, the Knicks could have a yes. complete uh, – they could have a player that's under wraps or a deal, something that's there where they say, we know that we can get this guy and he can change sure. the face of the franchise, but not in that way that Russell Westbrook would, where he's you know so incredible on and off the court. But again, it doesn't mean that you can't salvage some of that. It just doesn't have to be Russell Westbrook. I so I'm gonna we're gonna agree to disagree on this because I don't name me any player that's potentially available. Gordon Payward, Victor Oladipo, Demar Derozan. I'm I'm just throwing names out there. I don't think the Knicks would actually look at some of these people. You know, Kevin Love. I'm I mean I'm just trying to think of like big names who could potentially even possibly possibly be attained in the next twelve to eighteen months. You know, and we've talked about we and again. With the money, we've sat here and, and are somewhat in agreement at this point that no one is coming here next year, right? In terms of free agency? Yeah. Sure. But, but again, you know, you talk about 12 to 18 months, right? A lot can change in an even shorter period of time. I'm not saying in this case it will, but it's the sort of thing where yes. you don't necessarily have to get one of those guys who was top 15. Because at this point, I, I respect what Russell Westbrook was but i don't care what he was i care what he is and what he will be and he's getting paid because of what he was and that's a problem and i don't want to deal with that problem it's i want to deal with what everyone will be but but it's not just in a vacuum though because if things go awry how are you getting out of this what is your exit strategy if russell westbrook gets hurt because we know how many knee injuries he's had and he's had several surgeries we're looking at a bloated contract where Russell Westbrook's sitting on the bench, and then you could say, well, look at this. I mean, sure, it's great that we're getting these uh, prospects. Or, you know, Our odds at a top lottery pick are great, but then you're falling below expectations. See, th- this is, I think, also a thing that bothers me about the idea of Westbrook is you are still – you're raising your floor, and that's fine. You can yes. raise your floor if you want to, but you're also raising expectations. And the last thing that you want to do is fall short on those expectations because what you're saying to me, not you specifically, but the idea of we want to bring Westbrook in is we want to make a playoff push. And I respect that because teams don't necessarily want to lose. You know, some obviously will prefer to sit this year out. Like I'm sure the thunder, uh, but other teams, it's a little bit different. So if you're trying to make strides to win and granted other teams are going to do the same thing. Like the fact is that the Knicks could not get Westbrook say like the Hornets get Westbrook, the Knicks could add win now veterans to their team, which they probably would do anyway. And there's how much they'll help them win is a different story, but But that's the thing. How, how much better are the Knicks going to be if the other teams around them, you know, like your Hornets, your Bulls, your Hawks, whatever it is, are also doing better. And if they're, you know, outperforming you as the Knicks, it doesn't mean that you didn't try at all. It just means that they're better. And that's like, for some people, I think that might be a happy medium which is, okay, well, the Knicks aren't a better team, but they're building in a better way. And they're you built, can see where the growth is going. They're building in a way that is is cleaner. Is um, And I think there is the perception that it is more sustainable, and it probably is more sustainable. So Because I think that the let's, let's assume they don't get... I kind of... See, here's the thing. We could talk about Paul and Westbrook as like being... A, it's the same difference to me. 
yes, one theoretically is better at taking young players under his wing and, and this and that, you know, one is obviously more of an off ball threat, which is on the floor. That's a big thing. Although I think in the regular season, maybe that doesn't matter as much. Um, you know, Paul is obviously, they, they both get a lot of assists. They get a lot of assists in different ways though. One is brute force. One sees plays three steps before they happen. So I'm not saying they're the same player, but like, the the overall thinking of we are going to bring in this very expensive older guy to change the mindset of our organization and shepherd our young talers, talent, even if it is at the expense of losses and our potential draft pick next year. Same archetype, right? Let's say you bring – you disagree? It's not that I disagree. I just – I don't view them as six in one hand, half a dozen in the other. I think Okay, so very it's five different. and seven. No, but, but even then, I, I disagree. I, I get what you're saying in terms of it's one player versus another player where both players are able to help you. But to me, with Chris Paul, it's more of like a finesse thing, right? It's more cerebral. It's, and, and the contract's a factor too. Yes. And, you know, I'll be honest about that. The fact that he only has two years instead of three is huge. And I, I can't remember who said it in the first place, but if the idea is for the Knicks to get Chris Paul and they're using Russell Westbrook as leverage to say, we'll take on an expensive point guard. We just, you know, Chris Paul's not the only game in town. That I could understand. But I don't, I, I see Westbrook as more of like a, a run and gun type who acts before he thinks. It's not to say he's not smart, but yeah. you need to build your roster to match up with his skill set. Which the and, Knicks don't, they're, they're two best play. Well, Mitchell, Mitch, Mitch Robinson would fit very well with, with Russell Westbrook. Yes, but then you also have, RJ and you're taking the so ball much. out of RJ's hands. And that's a big thing, right? That's, that's a big important difference. because I also think that Chris Paul can elevate your players um, to a better place than Russell Westbrook would. And I, I say that a lot of the advanced stats, especially last year, uh, not comparable, right? Not even it, it, go, go. If anybody is listening to this, we don't, we're not going to spout off the numbers, go to clean. Well, I guess you don't have to have a subscription to cleaning the glass. Um, Russell Westbrook's last four years, um, in terms of his on-court uh, impact, is like the beginning of a roller coaster. It has it start. It was I think he was among the top in the league um, four years ago during his MVP season, and then it was just it's been fall, it's fallen off a cliff. Um, it's not good. Um, it's, it's not what you want. Yeah, and I guess so that's why I just feel there is a difference between the two. They're both all-star. You know, one was an MVP. Well, the other obviously wasn't, but it's yes. still to me it's. It's how they are growing as they enter the last years of their careers and how they can impact the players around them. And I don't know if we can make the case for Westbrook that he would fit well in an environment where more than half of the team is under the age of 24 years old. And that's important. We're in complete agreement that Paul is a no doubt about it. Makes a ton more sense. I, what I'm where I'm focused on now is does Russell Westbrook make no sense or is there an argument for him? That's that's I just want to be clear about that's where I'm at. Sure. And the, getting back to the the thing about the okay, let's say they they don't trade for him. This is why I started or or Chris Paul. They go into this year trying their best to make the young players on their team look good. That's it. That's the goal, right? Whether it's 15 wins or 35 wins, the young players got to look good. They got to look promising. They got to look like real stuff. If you get really lucky, 
RJ Barrett or the eighth pick, or I guess Mr. Robinson, although I don't see how this happens, looks like a, oh, wait, this guy could be a future all NBA player. I don't think anybody's under the presupposition that that is actually going to happen. They need to look good enough that you could potentially trade them for an all NBA player along with whatever else your pick next year, the Dallas pick a future stuff. And then you bring in that guy either before the trade deadline or next summer. And then that guy again, who is it? Is it Ben Simmons? Is it Donovan Mitchell? Is it sure? I'm forgetting some obvious is it De'Aaron Fox name, whatever name you want to name that guy then becomes the carrot for Kawhi or God forbid Giannis or AD. If he signs a one plus one, or I don't think I'm forgetting everybody that's realistic um, or potentially in 2022 when not as many names on the board, but uh, who is it? Beal that summer AD, if he signs a two plus one um, and that's about it. That's why, by the way, I don't mind the Russell Westbrook three years because the summer of 2022 might not be that high. Just that's the only thing I want to say. Yeah, yeah potentially. Um, As an aside, but sure. So, so what the the situation I just laid well, out for the, Westbrook it would be twenty twenty three. I, I see yeah, what but, you're saying in terms of yeah, yes. it becomes an expiring. The situation I just laid out, right? Where that's the that's that's what everybody would love. That's what we would love. We've been talking about this for months. What are the odds of that happening versus the odds of Russell Westbrook Russell Westbrook coming here and them being better, even better with Russ and all these kids, because he theoretically has that impact and they're whatever they are, 42 win team, 38 win team. I forgot there's 72 games. So I got to lessen those numbers, but, um, and enticing someone next summer or, or you would make the same type of trade um, for a, a really good player. And, you know, the, what's what's the main opportunity cost? The main opportunity cost, I think, is your draft pick, right? I don't think it is, actually. What do you think is the main opportunity cost? I think your main opportunity cost becomes cap space. Because if you have Russell Westbrook eating up over 40% of your salary You could cap, still get to max next summer. I did the math. You have to do a little bit of moving thin. and shaking. That's the thing. I, but look, you if you want to... But, but now we're talking about building around 33-year-old Russell Westbrook. If right? somebody else, if somebody else agrees to come, or if you can get that star via trade, I'm just saying there is a path. It's sure. a path. It exists. I completely give you that. It just doesn't mean that there aren't thorns everywhere and it's in the middle of the woods and, you know, there's like the three <laughs> bad wolves or whatever, whatever, whatever fairy tale you want to put hold in there. On, hold on. I don't know. There's like, one wolf. All right. Sure. It's three. Pigs. Three bears. Okay. Three pigs, three bears. Oh, wait a Whatever. Minute. This is also funny because I actually do have an article coming out tomorrow. And it like I started by saying the best things come in threes. And I just butchered what comes in threes. So that's perfect. Um, yes, there is a path. It's just not totally viable to me. And because of the fact that he's eating up so much of that cap space, you're now focusing on him and, and trying to get to him. And I guess the one thing I'd say is I think may have been Popper who tweeted this out, or at least in his story, where he said something about how um, if this would be the first move that Rose makes, he wants it to be a good one. Because the first big move, yes. in a lot of ways, stamps who you are. Let's yes. look at the track record of front office executives with the Knicks. If you oh, aren't boy. really turning things around by year three, you're probably going to be gone. The question is, can you justify 
Russell Westbrook and a first round a perennial first round exit team, most likely as a step forward. If you're James Dolan and if you're Leon Rose, you've seen, you know, the litany of bodies that are around you of, of failed executives. You've yeah. got next to him, Scott Perry, hang on for dear life. And he can say, look, I just tried this with Steve. We did the best we could, and we still couldn't even get the game's top players. And I, the fact that I'm here is a miracle. And I'm going to stay here as long as I can. And I want to stay here as long as I can. Hold on, like, and that's why, being, <laughs> that's why being a good soldier <laughs> with you and working on what we need to do. And, and so if you're, Scott, if you're Leon Rose, you're keeping all this in mind. You don't want to you know, put the cart before the horse before you figure out where you're even going. Yeah. And I, I, that's the thing. I, you look at that contract and you try to figure out how can I get rid of this if I have to? What is it? At, like, at what point is that contract viewed favorably? But if it's not before the final year, that's a little problematic. And then we're hoping that that $47 million is going to be enticing enough to another team while Russ is probably on his last legs. But why would they need to get rid of it unless things went incredibly well? Because again, you, that's my point. <laughs> but you're saying incredibly well. What does that mean? If you get him and it doesn't work and it doesn't go great, right? Mm -hmm. You lose more games than you expect. No one wants to come here. You don't need the money. Right. I understand that. But you're still, <laughs> but that was still a failed endeavor. You're still trying to exceed. So now you're making the argument that they shouldn't trade for Russell Russell because Leon Roche, it, it's, it's not in the interest of him, but it's a, it's a risky move for him to keep his job. It can be both. That's the thing. It can be, this is not a sound move. And also this is something that someone could easily get fired for two years I, later. I'm for it's what is it? 40 it's 41, 44 and 47. The value of that money. I it still keep coming back to it. It's only what else you could spend it on. But you can spend it on other things. That's the thing. You can you can spend like so. You let's could take talk about something some of the other things that they could have spent it on. I, look, understand. I understand because we. I no, was going, Come on, let's take two minutes and talk about what else they no, could spend it. On. I know. I was going to say I came into this prepared with a list of free agents. Of course, you the next did. Two, yeah, because it's because <laughs> it's important uh, for twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one. And so here's the thing. We know that 2020 is a weak class, right? Absolutely. Your best players I, I've got here are Fred Van Vliet, Joe Harris, Danilo Gallinari, Davis Bertans, and, Marcus Moore Sr., which it's generous for me to even put him in this list, honestly. No, and let's, um, and let's, I want to say right here, if there's an option to go sign Fred Van Vliet for, for $22 million a year or Russell Westbrook, go sign Fred Van Vliet. Of course. No one's disputing that. <laughs> Davis Bertans, 15 a year, have at it. Um, what a... Fine. We are assuming that those P I am assuming that those people are not on the, on the docket here. Sure. Um, okay. and, and that there's, and that there's no huge um, salary dump opportunities, which again, you've written about more than anyone. Yes. And, and agree. Um, we also saw today, you know, we'll see if there are any more moving pieces, but um, it just takes one for my whole entire argument on the salary dump market to collapse. But we just saw one. Dennis Schroeder being traded for, Danny Green, two of the contracts that were on the list where I was saying, like, look, it makes more sense for well, these teams. To there was a trade. first round pick in there, too. Of course. But but the point that I'm saying is it made more sense. And we'll see. Maybe they turn into a three team deal. Could be even be a four team deal. Who knows? Could be. You know. But we're looking at two contracts that are both in the 15 million dollar range where they were swapped one for the other, not yeah. necessarily dumped from one team yeah. where the other team isn't sending anything back. And again, that's what you're I think that's what you're going to see. You, you have called this all along. And we'll see again. 
ample time for me to be wrong. But uh, just to go back to the list, Jeremy Grant, Christian Wood. That is 2020. Let's face it. None of those guys is going to remake your image. Correct. But it also doesn't have to happen overnight. You can start to build something and you can go from there and you can turn it into something else. That's the point. But before they will you... still have, let's note it, they will still have room if they trade Randall and Dennis Smith Jr., which I, I think would probably be the package. They would still have $28 million in room, $26 million in room this summer. Something around there. Whereabouts? Okay, so they, they have room. Sure. But again, you're then hoping to find a really talented player to be able to fill that hole. And that's a really tough thing to do because if you can't get it done this year, then you're carrying it over to the next year. And the next year's free agents, uh, this isn't an, the order is basically guard to center. So, okay. Uh, you got Spencer Dinwiddie, which I mean, I, I think it's probably inevitable that he's traded, but if he isn't, he seems like strong I mean, even- insurance candidate to stay in Brooklyn. Even if he's even if he isn't traded, which I th- I think he is going to be, um, he he gets still hit free agency. It doesn't, it doesn't exactly. mean he's going to sign an extension. So right, uh, you've got Kyle Lowry. He's pretty ancient. I mean, again, I think that you start to look at players who are maybe because here's the other thing, and I'll get back to it in a second. I don't think you have to look at the Knicks and say what star can we get to really re-energize the brand. You can get someone who's just saying like, who can we get in here? Who will make us respectable? Can I can I add one caveat to that? Okay. Small one, but I think it's important. History has bared out over a few years now that the only way shitty teams get good players is if they overpay for them by a margin, by a factor of uh I don't I mean 10 to 15 percent. We Maybe paid more. Bobby Portis, I know it was one year. We paid Bobby Portis fifteen million American dollars to come to New York. That was Bobby Portis, fifteen million dollars. Like the track record is not great in terms of what you and it, and again, what we are presupposing here is that the Knicks will be bad this year. Maybe interesting, maybe interesting, maybe some interesting young players, but they will be bad. I just throwing that out there. Sure, keep, keep going. Um, Drew Holiday, we know that. He's not going to come to New York. Nah. Also, if he's he's traded to a team, he could easily resign. But the other thing is, yes, you want that level of respect, but he's also on the wrong side of 30. So that's that's not something that really plays into your favor. But I can see what you're saying in terms of, well, if you sign Drew Holiday, that's kind of a sim- similar to getting Russell Westbrook in your building. It's someone who is a very good player um, and who can change it. I get what you're saying. He helps. Yes. He helps. Not not He's not Russ. But, but he doesn't have – but that's – Russ, Look, you don't I'm, have to get on. Russ. You know That's, why I'm saying it. I do. I do. He's but, a, he's a, I'm sorry. We don't have to talk about this again. But that's, okay, keep going. All right. Um, Mike Connolly Jr., who would certainly be older, but a very much respected player, former yeah. CAA client of Leon Rose. Love it. Patty Mills. Again, he's more of a backup by this point. He's going to be on the wrong side of 30. Yep. Lou Williams, um, perennial sixth man, sixth man of the year winner. He's <laughs> Not, you know, he's going to be 36, I believe. He's not going to be the right fit here. Not so much. Um, DeMar DeRozan, be interesting to see if he cashes in somewhere, if he gets a one-year deal, if he even opts in this year. I think he'll opt in, um, but who really knows? That sort of thing, how he meshes with RJ. It's a bit up in the air. Yeah. Um, Evan Fournier, you no. know, he's 
it's not going to change anything. Danny Green, not going to yes. change anything. Yes. Tim Hardaway Jr., God bless his soul, is not coming back here for the third time. Uh, at least not by choice. Uh, <laughs> that's fantastic. One person you could actually get to that's kind of an interesting discussion is Victor Oladipo. And the idea that if you gave him this <clears throat> opportunity where you said, Victor, we know that you had a great season, really season and a half, I guess. Um, we understand that things went awry in Indiana. We want to try to figure something out because we know that you want to be somewhere else. And we want to give you a one-year prove-it contract. And if things go well, we'd love to touch base again. And if things don't, then you know we'll go our separate ways. That, to me, Victor Oladipo is the type of player where you could get probably not the same production that you'd get from Russ, but you could get someone who, if he's in what he feels is the right environment, sure. is thriving and can actually help you in that sense of, wow, the Knicks were able to be the right environment for Victor Oladipo and things turned around for him. And if they don't work out, then, okay, well, we tried. You know, I, who, I, who else were we really going to sign? I think he's the most interesting name of anybody you're going to mention. And I, I don't want to, it's weird because I recorded a podcast with Spencer earlier today that's going to air after this. Um, <laughs> and I went into a whole, um, Victor Oladipo related conspiracy, but I will just say in short, if the Knicks wind up with Kyra, uh, Kyra Lewis um, on Wednesday night, I think every, because for those who don't know, um, Kyra Lewis and Kevin Knox and Jared Harper, two-way player for the Knicks, share an agent with Victor Oladipo. If they end up with Lewis on Wednesday night, everybody should circle Victor Oladipo's name and just start looking out for the rumors, whether it's trade rumors, whether it's, uh, are they going to sign him next summer? Um a very, very interesting situation, which which bears monitoring. Continue. Yeah. So Victor Oladipo, to me, is the ideal candidate, but I'll, I will go on. Um, Josh Richardson, not going to get the job done. Giannis, not coming. Paul George, just this is not the right environment for him. No. You, If you're Paul George, you cannot come here as the number one guy. I just, he, I'm trying to think of a scenario where he would even. He would. He, he I mean, would. he would consider coming here if there was another guy here. Right, but then it's and we were willing to guy? give him a full max and me like maybe Paul George has a bad season and we get a guy and then we're like and then he'll take the full max. Is that something we want happening? I don't know about no. that. And again, if you're having Russell Westbrook here, who's to say that it would work again with Russell? <laughs> let's let's George, reunite so. them two years later <laughs> when it didn't work the first time. Yeah, um, Gordon Hayward. You know he may not be a free agent next year because he might do a sign and trade. Maybe he opts in and gets traded then. To me, he's a really fascinating candidate because this is someone who, again, former all-star, he just couldn't stop getting hurt. I think, I know that a lot of Knicks fans were upset at the idea of trading him, trading for him this year. Uh, for starters, look, the Celtics are not going to dump Gordon Hayward's contract. No, what they're I don't understand do is, why people are saying this. Right. They're going to want a salary that's coming back because they're going to be over the cap no matter what, because they've got to pay Jason, uh, uh, Jason Tatum next year. And so at that point, then they have no money. So getting a guy like a Miles Turner makes more sense for them, not only from a positional standpoint, but just because they get that extra salary and they can operate as an over-the-cap team continuously because that's what they have to do no matter what. Yeah. So it's imperative for them to keep money on their books and not let – I think Gordon Hayward walking would probably be the worst thing that could happen for Boston right now. Yes, I, I think it would. I think – um See, that's an interesting, like, what would you rather do? Pay Russell Westbrook 87 or 80 
eight million. Oh my god, no, ninety-one. Oh my lord, it is a lot of money. <laughs> what would you rather do? Pay Russell Westbrook ninety-one million dollars over the course of two years, or pay Gordon Hayward a max at the age of is he thirty-one? He's, he's, he's going to be thirty-one. Going to be thirty-one. He's going to be thirty-one. Um, I'm taking Gordon Hayward in that situation. I really am. If we're, if we're talking about. If we're, look, that starts at that's because that's the only way he's coming to this team. Just I throwing mean, it out there. Maybe, but again, it all depends on what else is out there. It all depends I, what the okay, other offers all right, are. I'm, if, if I'm, you're, you know, I get why if he gets traded to a team like Indiana and he has the opportunity to re-sign there and they can use bird rights that they would have, then yeah, I would agree. You have to outspend Indiana to such a degree that it's almost impossible for him to be here, but we don't know where he's going because he could be traded. He could opt in and say, I want to be with the Celtics. Celtics say, great. That's awesome. Uh, by the way, we're, we don't really want you here long-term. We want someone else. <laughs> Which uh, we don't so, know. You never know. I right, mean, uh, you know, they could be working something out. Who knows? Who knows? Okay. Um, who else? Then you've got Kawhi Leonard. I really don't see him leaving Los Angeles. I mean, you're smiling. He could, sure, but he's not, he's not coming to a shitty team. But right, I'm I mean, just... yeah, maybe if the if he sees the writing on the wall, says you know, to the to Steve Ballmer, I see zero first round picks that are really tradable unless they're on draft night. I applaud you for taking this effort. It didn't work out. We'll see. But a lot could happen this year if they win a title. You know, who knows if they go further? Who knows? Not further than a title, but if they go further than where they were last year, um, we'll see. I just but, don't. I just want to throw it out there. I just want to throw it just like a stone. Like I'm tossing a stone on a lake. That's it. Just to, it's a big lake. I'm tossing the stone. If he decided he's like, you know what? This this Clippers thing is not working out for me. He's not going to the Lakers. No. Like he's just not, he's not going to do that. I there were those I think those rumblings last summer were real. From what I heard at the time, and granted, who the hell knows what to believe from that time. I think those rumblings were real. All I'm saying is, like, if you put a situation enticing enough for him to come, I think he takes a meeting if it comes to that. That's all I'm saying. Sure, sure. But I guess here's the other thought. If you do bring in Russell Westbrook and you're looking at the stars who are available, and just really quickly, I'll finish the list and I'll continue. I thought Kelly Oubre, not going to get the job done. LaMarcus Aldridge is... 36, five years old. Yeah. yeah, he's very old. PJ Tucker, also very old. Love Rudy Gobert, uh, not. Give PJ Tucker the max. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, just it was hilarious to me as well to see PJ Tucker upset because he saw all of these other players getting paid. He should be fifth. upset. He should, but he's also, awesome. He is, but he's also 34 years old. You have to be I, I know. I'm, I'm, being, I'm being facetious, obviously, but that, and it's I not just, like he's. I, it's I not like he's making Tucker. nothing, but I get it. You know, he was bounced around yes. internationally for a while. He wants his respect. I get that. Um, sure. And then Rudy Gobert, I, again, I just, it's not going to happen. And if it does, do you really want a center who's in his oh my God. 30s and making probably around max money? It would be a disaster. I guess. Nothing, so, no, want nothing to do with uh, Rudy right. Gobert. Okay. So again, you can look at this, you know, nice roster of players and you could see that there may be one, two you know, we'll just call it a handful of guys who either it seems possible they could potentially come to New York or that they should even really be here in the first place where they could be considered someone who helps improve your brand. Yeah. So you just but, went through that list of players with the thought of like, here's the here's the players we could spend money on that aren't na- that that if we don't have Russell Westbrook's contract, here are the players that we could spend a bunch of money on. Right. 
Exactly. And I, I'm not sure. I'm not saying some of those aren't possibilities. I'm just, I don't think any of those are great fits. Or, or let me rephrase that. Let me, that came out wrong. I don't think any of those are like obvious, like, oh, yes, if the Knicks have all this cap space and if they come off a decent season where they don't win a, hardly any games, but they look competent, smart organization, promising young players. I'm like just trying to think of like who were the guys from that list that like Kelly. Okay, fine. You get Kelly Oubre for like the Julius Randall contract. Maybe do you, is that, do you want that? I guess. Okay. Maybe. Um, I, if that's what I'm giving up, if that's the opportunity cost to me, the opportunity cost, the greater opportunity cost is still the draft pick that you aren't potentially getting over whatever you get from that list. That's just me. I could see reasonable minds disagreeing. I guess the other thing with Westbrook is it's not just his money that's on the books. That's a lot. You also, for the next two seasons, have to deal with the fact that you've got Joakim Noah's money. That's dead. So now you're looking at an even higher percentage of money that is on the books. And here's the other thing. If you want to pay Mitchell Robinson right now, and say, we want to lock you up before 15 teams that have cap space are going to start splurging. And they could throw, it just takes one team to throw a really, you know, outlandish offer that Mitch could jump onto. And I then would, you're put in a pickle. Then your, your cap I space would take is that compromised risk. even more. Right, you could take the risk. But let me ask you then. Let's say a team throws Mitchell Robinson an offer that starts at $16 million. So they, so they give him the... Uh, well, it would be a little bit higher than the Capella because the Capella started at uh, around 14, 13, 14. Yeah, right. 13, 14. Um, let's, just, let's just say it happens. It, it may not be worth that, but you know, anything goes in free agency sometimes. If you're the Knicks, you, you probably match it because you don't want to let him walk. Sure, no. you could, but then you're restricted to the trade market, right? And now you have to figure out a player who fits with Russell Westbrook, who wants to play with Russell Westbrook, and who's under contract long enough where they don't have a choice. Or you have to hope that if they're not, that you can re-up with them. And maybe it's possible that they don't get along with Russell Westbrook or Russell Westbrook doesn't get along with them. And then they say, well, here's the thing. Um, I don't really want to be here anymore, but you've got Russell Westbrook under contract for another year, two years, year and a half, whatever it is. And so now you've got this immovable piece that, that you want to move. And then you've got this other piece that you don't want to leave, but doesn't want to stay because of the fact that they don't necessarily want to play with Russell Westbrook. And I don't know how you resolve that unless you trade Russell Westbrook's contract for a contract that is listen, maybe better. And you could throw all these first round picks, but no, if they listen, if they get them, they're in bed with them. That's it. They're right. not getting out of bed. It's right. it, it's done, which it's, it's listen it, for as much as I'm trying to poo poo that fact that is a legitimate, that's a massive risk. It it's is. a massive risk. It's, it's just, it's just too much money. I'm making the argument that it's like, you could deal with it. It's a lot of money. Um, if it weren't for that third year, my tune would be a bit different. I would be able to say, you know, with a player like Russell Westbrook, I wouldn't love the fit, but you've got two years of the guy. You get the opportunity to try it out, similar to how we had the conversation about Chris Paul. And mind you, yeah. uh, as I, I was very against the idea of Chris Paul. We, and we I both was, were. You know, right, exactly. And it, we softened to it. I think a huge reason is because, yeah, that, that second year with the player option is a killer. But the idea of it being a third year after that, I mean, that would have that to me would have just shut everything down right there and then. I, I think it 
look, they're they're not going to give up anything to get him. I I I and I don't think they're going to get him because if I mean this kind of bleeds into the the Woj, you know, report that you know the the Harden. I I don't even know what the fuck to make of that. So what is that? Does that mean they're going to keep Westbrook? If they tr- if like Harden goes because it sounds like Harden's about to go in there and be like, get me the fuck out, unless you do. F- fuck what? I don't know what what does he want them to do. I see. I don't even know if Harden would have it in him to say I want out right now because everything. Oh, I think him- he. You don't think he has that in him? And, let me put it this way. I think with with a player like James Harden. It's this idea of, all right, you know, I'll win if it's convenient for me. I, I just feel like he's not the type of person who, yeah, if he wants out of a situation and it gets really bad, sure, I could see him saying, well, you know, I'm probably going to consider walking, so you might as well trade me. Um, that would work out. He's tired of dealing with the bullshit. But at what people, point is... Everybody being like, hey, this fucking guy can't win shit. I think he's tired of it. That's but at my what point does he opinion. look in the mirror and say the bullshit starts with me? Never, ever, right. ever, ever, right. ever. And the, okay, but here's the thing. The, the anecdote that was in the story with The Athletic about how Russ basically said, I want us all to talk about how we can improve, and I'm going to start. I love that. I thought that was a real leadership yeah. thing. And if I didn't know what his contract was, I would say to you, that is an awesome <laughs> move, guy. and I want that. I want that type of player in my building. Go, go but, that guy. But, you know, we're in a situation where there is a salary cap and there is a luxury tax, so it doesn't work out that way. But Yeah, but James Harden wants the easy way out. We know this. This right. is so a secret. He, but if he wants the easy way out, then why do we think that he'll necessarily be banging on the door saying, I need you to trade me right now to another team? Because what sweat off his nuts is that? Like, what does he lose by going and demanding a trade? I mean, he doesn't lose anything. It's just the exactly. idea of, no, it's not so much that. It's more how proactive he's actually going to be about wanting to leave. That's, I think, because it seems like he has no issue with Westbrook. It's Westbrook who doesn't want to stay in Houston anymore. And I could <sighs> see James Harden be like, you know what, dude, this is my team. If you want to go, you can go. It's not this type of situation, at least from the outside, where it's, it's either him or me. And maybe it is. Maybe it's gotten to a point where it's that contentious. But nothing from the reporting to me has it's that case. I don't, th- I don't very, think you know, you look at the rest of the team, right? We, you know, we just wax poetic about PJ Tucker. The Eric Gordon contract is terrible, but that's not something that James Harden's gonna worry about this season. Uh, you've got Robert Covington and he's still on your team. You've got pieces around you, and your hope can still be if we can trade Russell Westbrook to I don't know, if it even is Charlotte, we get something back like a Miles Bridges where that's not exciting, right? But it's still, they're not they're, they're still not trying trading to focus on building something around him. And people like to be built around. They like to be catered to. I think my theory, my own personal opinion, take it or leave it, is that the Rockets have spent the last 48 to 72 hours or 96 hours, whatever it's been, kicking every tire they could find. I love how you chug it. I could see you chugging water because you just <laughs> I, I love the I love seeing the results of your of your rants. It makes me so happy. I'm here sipping a beer. You're chugging water. I, I have um, to work out after this. So that's why I'm not joining a beer with you. I actually I went but, for a run at, at like three o'clock today. It was really good. I'm happy nice. I got that done. Very, very very but good good for you. Um I think they have kicked the tires on the Russell Westbrook stuff and they have come back and they have essentially and and word has gotten to harden. These all suck. We're not getting anything for him. Um, 
we're, we could move the contract, but who do you want to play with? Terry Rozier or Julius Randle? Those are your choices. And that's, that's I think that's what happened. Maybe. And, yes. And but James Harden they're... was like, you know what? Actually, on second thought, I'm going to go knock on door number C um, and see what's over there. And then we got this Woj tweet. That's what I think happened. But, you know. Maybe. Look, it's possible. But there are multi-team trades. It's possible that the right pieces haven't fallen into place. Maybe, maybe some team wants to see how free agency goes and then they'll figure it out. Like if you are the Hornets, you've got so much cap space at your disposal, honestly, probably too much cap space. If you're that small of a team. And if you don't have small market of a team, uh, and if you don't have salary dumps coming in your way, then maybe your splash is that that's what you want. There needs to be a market for Russ. Of course. And of course if, if the Clippers are out and I've gotten conflicting reports on that, I I've based on what I've heard, the Clippers are, I, and I reported the, I was wrong actually, when I, I wrote something in the newsletter, I think on Thursday where I was like, I'm, I'm hearing that the Clippers stuff is more real. Um, I'm going to backtrack on that. Uh, mea culpa. I um, thought that was true at the time. I no longer think that is true. I think that was incorrect. Um, I think it's the Hornets and the Knicks. And I think the Knicks have gone and told Houston uh, here's you could, we'll take Russ. Here's what you're getting. You're not getting a, a penny more. And so now we're left with, if that's true, if that's true, and who the hell knows now, Charlotte's sitting there like, well, why are we, why are we giving up a bunch for this guy? Which is, I, I, I don't, I don't, I just don't see the market. Um, I agree. Whatever. We'll see. But then, but here's the other thought. Why isn't there a market for Russell Westbrook? For all the reasons you just said. Right, exactly. So that's that kind of goes back to the point. For all of those reasons, if you're another team, like the Knicks, it doesn't work for you. You need to be a desperate team for to trade for Russell Westbrook. My entire devil's advocate argument, which again, I want to be very clear. That's what this is. Can there be a valid argument? Is the fact that the Knicks are... Desperate may be the wrong word. But they need, like, they're in as big a need of a, a kick in the ass as an organization as anyone. And and I guess where I disagree with others is that there's there's I, there seems to be this belief, like, let's just keep putting one foot in front of the other, and we got a great coaching staff, and we got a great front office, and we're gonna keep making smart acquisitions around the edges, and this, that, and the other thing, and it's gonna all come together. I think it takes something more than that to turn you from an organization that has been laughed at uniformly for name the number of years into one where people look at it and they're like, okay, we have to take them seriously now. That's the big difference between me and I think of a lot of other people, which is why I'm at least willing to entertain, entertain the Westbrook discussion, even though I fucking hate him. That's it. That's the last thing I want to say. Um, and I think good time to move on. Sure. Let's do it. Should we hear from our friends real quick? Let's do it. Did you make any wagers today? No, I've, uh, I've been clean for about <laughs> like I'm an addict. <laughs> I haven't done anything for about three weeks. So, uh, and it's, it feels good. There's, there's limited stress. It's nice. I, you know, maybe I'll go back to it when basketball season starts for some over unders. Um, but until then it's, uh, it's nice. Just watch games or not. And uh, there's no skin off my back. I love how, until you said the words, watch games, um, you were talking about wagering uh, as if it was cocaine. Um, perfect transition to our friends at my bookie. Um, so uh my bookie is like the draft is coming up. Um, there's going to be free agency. You can place prop bets on all this stuff like 
Fred Van Fleet's next team, how many wins? That, I mean, look, seasons are on the corner. You want to place prop bet on how many Knicks, uh, how many games the Knicks are going to win next season? Go to my bookie. They have all this stuff. Um, if it's not up right now, it's going to be up soon. Uh, get some skin in, the, skin in the game, especially with Thanksgiving right around the corner. I mean, what is better than a turkey day parlay? I, I can't think of anything. Maybe cranberry sauce. Cranberry sauce and a turkey day parlay. Uh, whether you're a first-time customer or have been playing with my bookie for years, there is no shortage of value to be found with the game lines, prop bests, and contests. Um, and, uh, oh, they also boast a fully-fledged casino platform now, giving you access to classic table slot and card games that you'd expect to find at your local slot spot. Uh, the uh, best part is that my bookie won't kick you out. You could stay there all night long, which is great. Make the right play and sign up today at my bookie when you do use promo code overtime to get your deposit matched halfway, all the way up to a thousand bucks. The terms are simple. You put in two hundred dollars, they'll match you another hundred in your account, all the way up to a thousand. Again, the promo code overtime O V E R T I M E. It's winning season in my bookie, so come join in on all the fun and win some cash while you're at it. Okay, we have we really been talking for almost an hour. My goodness, we talked. We spent an hour talking about Russell Westbrook. What are we doing with our lives? And to think, I mean, in a week, next time we do this, it could either be all for naught, or it could be a very worthwhile conversation. Gun to head, Westbrook is on a different team in one week from literally right now. I don't think he is. I think they're uh, going to go into the season with him. Bagley just tweeted out about 10 minutes ago. People around James Harden contacted some nets. Contacted some nets. The implication, I guess, is nets players. About a potential Harden to Brooklyn trade this week. There was support for the idea among the nets contacted. But the support wasn't universal, SNY sources say. Harden sees Brooklyn as a trade destination for ESPN. I wonder if the people... The, the Nets players who were asked, oh, yeah, how do you feel about this? And said, I love it, are the players who are likely to stay and the others who are probably <laughs> going out in a trade. We're like, I don't want that. Like, Spencer right. did. We'd be like, I have no interest whatsoever you, in James Did Harden. you ask Karis LeVert? Uh, <laughs> or did you ask, uh, you know, Kyrie Irving? Um, man, this situation is going to be interesting. Um, I... I... Uh, I don't think the Knicks are going to pull the trigger because I don't think it makes sense for Houston. I don't think there's any scenario where trading Russell Westbrook for James Harden, Dennis Pitt Jr. and the 27th pick makes sense for Houston. It can't. I don't. How does that work out? So why would they do it? If they don't do it, that means they're trading up to Charlotte. And, it, and Real quick, though, and you actually pointed this out on Twitter, well, and I was going to talk about it for the pod, so it reminded me of this. Sure. Um, the new rule in terms of two-way players. Oh, yeah. How that impacts the Knicks. And you said, you know, it was great news for Kenny Wooten and Jared Harper stands. Yeah. Totally true. Uh, how bad of news is that if you're Dennis Smith Jr.? Think about it. You've got the Knicks who are very interested, reportedly, in Killian Hayes, yeah. Kyra Lewis Jr. Yeah. And now you're finding out the player, the point guard that they picked off on, you know, picked off waivers maybe four or five months back, Jared Harper. Yeah, has more of an opportunity to play, and, and gotta feel like the walls are closing in on you. And he's like Jared Harper was like, I'm not breaking any news here. He was a lot better than Dennis Smith Jr. was. I mean, every NBA player or probably G League player was better than Dennis Smith Jr. was last year, but that's not saying much. Um, yeah, no, it's gonna be interesting. I I've kind of backed off the just get rid of Dennis Smith Jr. Um, 
angle and i kind of at this point i'm just like bring him in under tibbs and see what happens i i just i loathe the idea of like making a long-term investment in him i just am i'm at the point where i think maybe there's actually a faint hope of rehabilitating his whatever value he might have um and then trading him at the deadline are we going to do our a quick run through of our ideal off seasons let's do this a little fast because we have articles coming out for the strickland this week article articles it might be one it might be two parts um okay we're gonna do we're gonna talk about pre-draft possible pre-draft trades the draft free agency and then trades under the new league year right those are the four things uh for the article yes yeah so what do we what do we want to touch on now what 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 are or do we just want to lay out like what our perfect offseason looks like yep so why don't you go first and just run through it <laughs> We can, okay. you know, we can discuss as points are being made, uh, if that's how you feel, and then I'll take a swing at it, and then uh, we'll get out of here. Sure. Um, and I want to – so this is tough because, like, yeah, my, my perfect offseason would be, like, signed Fred Van Fleet for – I, should, th- I should, th- All right. Perfect yeah. realistic offseason. Yes, exactly. Like, three three years, $30 million. How are you doing? <laughs> um, well, I guess I would love to steal Anthony Davis away from <laughs> the Los yes, Angeles Lakers. Thank you. Yeah. Um, okay. Um my perfect offseason, uh, I don't want to spoil the little trade that we came up with to start. You came up with, not we. I, you, I'm giving you the credit for that. I just I just co-signed it um, for our article. So draft, um, it's basically trade down, um, pick up a real asset, and leave the draft with Kyra Lewis Jr. Um, I am really open on this draft. I've come around on like almost anything like – you mentioned Obi Toppin's name before. There was a point in time several months ago where I was like, the only thing that, that could happen in this draft that would really set, like we talked about Rustbrook, that could really set me off would be them ending up with Obi Toppin. And now I'm at the point like, you know what? If they ended up with the guy who's going to come in and, and probably average 20 a game next year, it's like, am I really going to get upset at that? Like, okay, he's not a player that you, you want on the floor at the end of like a big time conference finals game. One step at a time. Um, but that would be my ideal trade down, end up with Kyra Lewis jr. Um, in a trade scenario. Um, I think I'd like them to trade for Chris Paul. I think I'd still like them to trade for Chris Paul and I'd like them to get tr- Chris Paul for, uh, Julius Randall. This has to be realistic, right? It does. <sighs> um, my ideal can't, my ideal offseason can't include them trading Frank. It's just it's against the rules. Well, uh, <laughs> would you just, what? Chris Paul or Frank Nilakina? It would it's make like me... Sophie's choice. I know, but again, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's or, I mean, Frank. in Frank in Frank's case, it's you know, Le Choix de Sophie, whatever you want to call it, however you want to spell it out. I it's... just I'm, so, I'm laughing for a few reasons. One, <laughs> you're, you're the Jewish guy making the Sophie's choice joke, which is just Right. Allowed. It's allowed. Chef, it's, allowed chef, it. it's chef's kiss. Um, <laughs> and there's probably, what do you think percentage of people have no idea what Sophie's choice is that are listening to this right now? 60% of people? Maybe, you know. Listen, kid, it, kids, if you want a really fun time on a Saturday night, Christmas movie, in, even. Yeah. What? <laughs> a fun holiday film. Sorry. <laughs> really the illustrious one. Meryl Streep. It's, it's fun Sophie's for the whole choice. family. Yeah. yeah. She's <laughs> she it's her it's actually her at an amusement park. She's choosing which amusement park ride she wants to go down. Yes. Um it's a lot of fun. Uh 
No, so Dennis Smith Jr., uh, Julius Randle, and I will I will give them the twenty seventh pick in the draft. Um, I will I will do that. Um, take on Chris Paul, and I would like the best salary dump you could get. That's what else I want to spend my money on. Fill out the rest of the roster with guys with essentially minimum contracts. More or less, and I, I I'm trying to think of a spe- I I, sh- I know I should have a specific salary dump in mind. Um, there's the Torian Prince one, which is obvious. Can you can I get Alpha Rukaminu and get something? I'll give I'll give. Oh man, can I get creative for a sec? This is get as creative as you want. As you'll see, I tried to get fairly creative, so you go for it. Again, I'm like, I'm just, this is, we're throwing some shit against the wall. Um, I want to, I want to give up. I want, I want a future Hawks pick. I want the Hawks to get desperate. And I want to give the Hawks something and I want to get a future Atlanta Hawks pick because I do not believe in what they're doing in Atlanta. And I do not believe in the relationship between that coach and, and that player. And I know I'm stepping on a little bit of what I wrote the other day. Um, but if there's any way that I could get a future Hawks first, I'm like, I don't want to give up Kevin Knox. I really don't want to give up Kevin Knox. But if I can, because I want to see what Kenny, Kevin Knox does under Kenny Payne. Um, or maybe it's just as easy. Maybe, maybe I'm making this too complicated. Yeah, let's just get a future magic first. Let's get Alpha Rucamino in here. Let's give them. What are we giving them? Can't really give them much. Well, it's my perfect offseason. So if I take on Alpha Camino, I could get like a heavily protected future first. Something like that. I just, I want a future pick. I just yeah. want to come out of this offseason with a future pick. That's all. That's all I really want. That's Fair. it. That's all. Okay. It's, it's, I'm a simple man. All right. That's good. Mm-hmm. I, I could get behind that, you know? Okay, great. Assets on assets. That works. Assets out. on assets on assets. That's great. So I did I did a thing in honor of for those of you who are listening on Spotify, that's totally fine. Um, this is we're doing a video podcast, which is great. It's been fun. Yes. And it's the opportunity for us to uh, you know talk and you can see us if you want to, but uh, I want to make it a little special. So uh, I did do a thing. And seeing as how this is Nick's film school. I'm I'm going to take us to school. And, oh my god! Uh, I may or may not have made a presentation. Oh my god! For shits and giggles, you so, really did. I really did. It's fun. I, I Do love you. It. I think I could actually make you a, a host of this meeting, and you could screen share. I yeah, I can. I think I'm allowed to do it right now. Oh, it says host disabled. Yeah, no, I'm I'm, so, yes. I'm I'm making you. I'm making you the host right now. The world is I, live I, podcasting, folks. This is this is this is this is the magic. This is like movie magic, except it's it not movies. Well, right. I mean, it is videoing. Can yeah. you can you screen share now? I can indeed. Oh my and goodness! <gasps> oh my god! I had time, you know. I just oh. wanted it to be fun. So, for uh, those of you again, if you're not watching this, I got to be honest, you're you're missing out. I'm just being just being candid. Uh, so check out Nick's film. Nick's film school YouTube channel is now yeah. is now live. So exactly check it out. So uh, the title of this here um, presentation is another Cohen fixes a New York sports team. Uh, it's by a less rich Cohen. That would be me for 
obvious reasons. Um, so let's begin. <gasps> Goals. Yeah, that's right. I did. The sorry, you got, sorry. If you're just listening to this, there was a transition that just blew my mind. Yep. It was just really great. Okay, keep going. So we got some goals, folks. What are we doing? We're going to add youth. Surround Mitch and RJ with ball handling, floor spacers, smart defenders. No immovable contracts. So, as you can imagine, that's definitely not a Russell Westbrook trade. <laughs> um, so, wait, Foster. Russell Westbrook is not in your ideal offseason? <laughs> uh, you know, uh, I thought about it, but he is not. Um, <laughs> foster a competitive environment. Acquire more future assets than we're sending out. And flexibility in 2021, but a keen focus on 2022. So This is great. Step one, the draft. I've got Mr. Killian Hayes at eight. However, this is this is good. If no Killian Hayes, Kyra Lewis Jr. makes a ton of sense. And I think for the reasons that you talked about, agency perspective, um, I know that we just, or at least I just spent the last hour basically arguing against what the appeal can be for, for Russ, especially off the court. But I do want to just very quickly touch upon this. We, we also talked about it maybe a month or so, however long ago, uh, that talent obviously reigns supreme. Talent yes. is what drives everything. But you have to configure the idea of, okay, well, if we're able to market a team, because not everyone's going to watch our games, but people are going to follow loosely because it's, it's a small league. This is what true. is that going to mean? And this idea that I've kind of been tossing around is, look, if, De- if a player like Devin Vassell is the best player on your board, go for him. Take him. Fine by me. But there's also something to be said about this marketing image of we've got our lead guard of the future in Hayes or Lewis Jr. in this case. Absolutely. We've got our lead wing of the future in RJ Barrett. And we've got our lead big of the future in Mitchell Robinson. Yeah. And those are your three players you can kind of build around. And we know, you know, I, I don't know what kind of say Scott Perry has in this draft, but we know that he has a thirst for speedy point guards. And it's, he's, he's not shy about it. It, it's, it's something that he seems to have almost everywhere he goes, um, except in Orlando, which they've been dying for. Yeah. Although, they, I mean, I wouldn't call Mark out faults, but I, I'm digressing. Um, if you look at the players also that Walt Perrin has drafted in the past, uh, they're mostly creators and, and his canter. Uh, these are, you know, the lottery guys. Um, facilitators, it's important. It's it, this idea of, you know, people are so transfixed with this idea of lightning fast speed. And it's something that I don't love. I care more about strength, IQ, finesse, but that doesn't mean speed's not an important factor. And if you can have someone breaking down the defense like Lewis Jr. can, then that's huge. So I I think I'm at the point where I would take Killian over Kira Lewis Jr., Kyra Lewis Jr. But I could also very easily see why the Knicks could go with Kyra Lewis Jr. And uh, for those reasons, and again, pick the best player available, but keep this online my prediction by the way is that they're they're gonna they're gonna take carlos yeah. jr so they're gonna figure out a way to end, exit the draft with Kyra. Mm-hmm. keep going and if they trade down also great i just it, it was hard for me to feel like there's a partner here where he still might be available so i just kept it at eight okay uh 27 another french dude killian another killian killian tilly at 27 i think the outside uh spacing ability he was really you know affected by injuries but he's the type of player where you can have a big Stretch the floor, which is something you can't really do with Mitchell Robinson right now. Um, and I should put this out there that a lot of this was uh, from my fellow friends at the Strickland through osmosis or talking with uh, Prez. So <laughs> I was about um, to say Killian, Killian, I think at 27 might be a little high. My, might my, be. 
my perfect offseason would have Desmond Bain fall to us at 27, but again, that's not going to happen. Right. And I was trying to balance that too. Um, so the next player could actually be at 27 instead of 38, but I've got Emmanuel quickly. Um, okay. You know, I, I was thinking before, okay, well, what if Isaiah Joe was there at 27? Would I take him? I, I might. I just think that the fact that quickly is such a good shooter, this is a, a very weird draft and we know the relationship that Kenny Payne has with him um, at Kentucky, yeah. obviously the fact that he can play defense. He's not much of a creator, but you can have him more off ball. And uh, then I've got trading cash considerations to the New Orleans Pelicans for the 44th pick. Um, the Benson family has a lot of expenses between the Pelicans <laughs> and the Saints. They don't have many fans in the stands, so that's really hard for them. This is true. Um, they got They got to pay for Jenny Craig for Zion. So that. <laughs> they do. They do. Um, for reference, the Knicks have five point six million dollars that they can send in uh, yes, or do. out. Uh, it expires at the end of the year. So, and by end of the year, I mean what Friday. Yeah. So, might as well spend it. Um, and then I have it 44, the next Sam Merrill. Nice. Um, I like it. You know, shout out to Tyrese. This what he rubbed off on me with this one. So, uh, can I give you you. mine real quick? I would have Xavier Tillman, uh, at 38. Uh, I would, if, if 44 actually was transpired, I would have quickly at 44 Mm -hmm. and in my, again, my perfect off season, I would have Sam Merrill as an undrafted free agent, but this is great. I like this. Okay. Okay. Uh, so what's step two? Guarantees. Guarantees. Okay. This one's going to ruffle feathers. I'm just warning people right now. So, uh, and just for reference, the order of how things are going is still a little up in the air. It seems that the non-guaranteed contracts might be after free agency starts uh, on that Saturday, but there are team options on the Thursday, so maybe they'll combine the two. We'll see. So I've got them all lumped in before free agency starts, but um, I've got... Guarantee Alfred Payton and Reggie Bullock. Now, ah. there are two groups of people right now. There's the one group that's saying, oh, my God, I can't believe that you just guaranteed Alfred Payton. How the fuck could you bring Alfred goddamn Payton back onto my team, you ginger-headed fuckface? And here's I what did, I say. I need to I get say, another beer before this. <laughs> I say, listen, listen to the other side, because the other side is saying, I see where he's going with this. I see exactly why he's doing this. It's not because he wants the next. You mean like Alfred Payton and his family? They could see it. It could be them too. (laughs) It's the family members of Alfred Payton down in Louisiana. And it's the other fans who are saying, I know what he's going to do with that contract. So let's bear with him for a second. And I've got Reggie Bullock. It'd be dumb not to pick him off or pick him up in my um, opinion. I think. Yeah. No, no, I I agree. And 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 for the record, I don't think picking up Alfred's 8 million is insane at all. He's, he was, he's not, bad yeah the way i looked at it as sad as this is it's a really low bar he might have been one of if not the best uh mercenary point guards of the last four or five years he and that's anybody but it's it's true go look at the on off um offensive numbers from last year with Peyton on the floor and maybe that's not totally fair but it's like you can't move them anyway okay so i've got non-guaranteeing wayne ellington and taj gibson I don't know how I can really trade Wayne Ellington. We had talked about the idea of maybe with the trailblazers, you kick it to him instead of uh, Mario Hazonia, but that deadline will happen after the draft. So it's kind of hard to finagle. Yeah. Um, and then I've got accept the team option on Theo Pinson. And then you've got that same Alfred Payton crowd that's going, what is he doing? And then you've got the other side that says like, okay, I, I, I definitely see where he's going with this. I'm here for it. Yeah. Um, 
Then I've got, of course, the easiest off-season decision of all time. Decline <laughs> the team option on Bobby, Bobby Portis. Bobby's been tweeting. He's ready to hoop. Yeah. He's ready, but here's ready the, to come back in the gym. Here's the crazy thing about Bobby Portis. If you want the Knicks to bring back Bobby Portis, it's almost impossible for them to do because if you bring him back on a one-year contract, do you know what he gets, John? Oh, he gets a uh, no, no trade, trade clause. Uh, uh, so he know. would join the uh, Wall of Fame with Ron Baker, Luke Cornette. It's I just don't think that's going to happen. So I, I mean, if the if the money's low enough, yeah. But then, which it's probably not going to be. But well, I mean, he's not going to make very much. But is that worth locking in that amount for a guy who maybe says I don't really oh, want to go elsewhere? No, 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 no. no. Please, yeah, keep going. Do not extend qualifying offers <gasps> to Damian Dotson and Jared Harper. What are you doing? Well, look. Why I are you just, doing this to me? Why am I doing this? I just got Emmanuel Quickly and Sam Merrill. Yes, I could bring Dotson back. Absolutely. I know that he's loved. I can't. I can't. You, you just broke my. You're, uh, you, you're Fredo. You broke my heart. That's fine. Listen, I like Damian Dotson. I respect fans who love Damian Dotson. I think that he's been used wrong. And I totally accept that. I also see a 26-year-old player who is a career 36% shooter from deep. Oh, stop. He's, stop he's with your good math. good catch and shoot. But no, but you know that's the thing. I'm, I'm trying to be economical here. And if they bring him back, that's great. I just, it's not something that is a burning passion for me. Um, so I'm sorry, Damien. I'm, I'm not going to extend that qualifying Damien, offer. Damien, if you're listening to this or any of your family is listening to this, just know that Jeremy Cohen does not, spe- does not speak for the views of... Uh, the Knicks film school podcast or, or myself. I Please hope all team dot does well, wherever he goes. Um, and he then finally, he's awesome. just for the sake of everything, I'm going to renounce the cap holds on Portis, Harkless, Dotson and Harper. Um, and that's, that's that. Okay. You re- I mean, I, this is so impressive. You, people really need to go check out the YouTube channel, which hopefully they'll, we'll actually see this on. That would be um, nice. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I've got a nice handy dandy cap sheet for where we are at right now. It's a picture of Scott. Uh, Scott Perry looked so like young and like and vibrant. Naive. <laughs> what <And> naive? Naive. <laughs> <laughs> the picture of Scott Perry and Steve Mills holding a basketball. You know your, your classic New York PR oh, photo opportunity. Gosh. Um, so right now we are at thirty three point two million dollars in cap space. For the next year, it's thirty six point eight, and the year after, sixty eight point nine. So we're doing well. You know, we've got some roster spots to fill, but I think we're doing all right so far. Um, next, free agency. Now, the first one, I know I'm going to get some pushback from you, John. I've got... Oh, boy. Well, actually, no, I, I, should go, I should go this. Let's look at the top free agents very quickly. Fred Van Vliet. I see him staying in Toronto. I think he's posturing for a bigger offer. I just don't think he also makes sense in New York. I mean, he does, I, but it's not going to work out that way. I just want to put it out there. At this point, I'd be literally shocked if... Van Fleet was a Nick come yeah. whenever. All right. Joe Harris. I just don't see him leaving Brooklyn. I think they're going to try to keep him because if anything, he's outgoing salary in say a future James Harden trade. Maybe the, the Rockets don't want Joe Harris, but another team might, you could get a three team deal. It's matching salary. There's a prayer that he's a Nick either. Right. Exactly. You've got Davis Bertans. Nah, not going to happen. I agree. I think that the wizards pay up because they want to show Bradley Bill that they can win and they traded something for him. And that's viewed as a sunk cost. Yes. And finally, Christian Wood, your favorite. I don't player. think <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I just don't think Detroit 
lets him leave. Granted, he could walk. He's not a restricted free agent. But money talks, and they've got a lot of it. They've got $30 million. So this is interesting. The top, the, the, I think w- what would be the top four free agents on most Nick fans' boards, in your ideal free agency, none of them are coming here. So I ask you, Jeremy Cohen, what do you have them doing with this money? Well, John, oh, I should actually say Jeremy Grant. Oh, yeah, Jeremy. We forgot about Jeremy Grant. He's, I, don't, I, I think the Nuggets are going to pay. It's not real. Yeah, I agree. It's, yeah. So I've got Danilo Gallinari. I'm bringing the rooster home, and here's why. I'm selling Danilo on the idea of you did well with a team that was very young and was supposed to have a 0.2% chance of the playoffs. Right, 0.2 or 2%. I think it was point. So it was low. It was not a significant number. Right. Um, and I said, look at what you did with that, with a point guard who worked. Now, I understand. You want to play for a contender, but here's the thing. We're going to try this out because we're really one of the few teams who can actually afford to pay you and give you the opportunity to be traded to a contending team. And we can take back that salary. So it'll work I out. Don't- I wonder what contending team would trade for him on this contract. Two years, 31.7, fully guaranteed. I would say that that's a good question. Um, we can think about that. We don't have to answer it right now. It's sure. probably a longer conversation, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to store that in the way, in the back of my but, mind. Sure. Okay. I think there are enough moving pieces. Like if you are, um, if you're the Suns maybe, and you don't get Chris Paul, but well, you you do sign Fred Van Vliet, perhaps. Maybe you trade Ubre for Gallinari. That sort I, of thing. I think there's a I think there's a better chance that you'd be able to trade Gallo next year on this. But I think actually, you know what? If they offered Gallo two years, thirty-two, roughly thirty-two million guaranteed, I bet you, I bet you he kicked. I, I think he'd look at that. Yeah, because there's an out clause. They could say, we, you know, we'll give it the old college try, Leon, my, you know, CAA buddy. But if it doesn't work out, let's move on. <laughs> I like and this. It, okay. You know, and also, if you're putting two and, to get, two and two together, you're thinking, well, what does this mean for Julius Randle? We'll get there. Okay. Next, I've got Justin Holiday for a two-year, $20.5 million deal. And I got to say, I love Ian Begley. Uh, he kind of blew up my spot because his, his most recent <laughs> article had both I of saw, these guys. I, I saw like, that. Damn it, Ian. All right. Well, so for Justin Holiday, look, you could start him. You could bring him off the bench. To me, it doesn't really matter. But the point is, the reason why you're paying him this is because you're paying him just enough over the mid-level exception, which is around $9 million, for him to feel comfortable. And you're giving him that second year because, A, you can still trade him, and, B, he wants to be somewhere and feel wanted. Things can change. You could say, I like the number two. Right. Two for two for 20.5, that's a good number. I've got a – so It's high, but it's, yeah. it's fine. Yeah. I think I've got like 10.25 across the board. So okay. that would make sense. That's good. Um. So now you have seven point seven million left to spend. Oh, mm-hmm. look at this! And then We're doing I've the got salary dump. The yes. OG salary dump that I love, which is Mike Scott and it and the New York Knicks second round pick next year, which the Sixers have uh, trading pick. for cash considerations. Because again, the Sixers are going to have a lot of financial responsibility. Give them some cash. If you send three million dollars, that's going to cover most, if not maybe all, of their eventual luxury tax bills. So, um, you know, we'll see, but I, I think that works for them. I got to say, I like what you're doing here. So now we've got, so now we've got, um, 
uh, Kyra Lewis Jr. was our main draft acquisition, and we also are bringing in Danilo Gallinari, Justin Holiday, um, and Mike Scott as a salary dump, who will actually well, help the Knicks. I've got Killian Hayes, but I, but again, you could swap oh, yeah, out Kill, either Killian player. or Kyra. One of the that's other. fine. Okay. Totally fine. Uh, and then we use the remaining cap space. We're splitting that, and we're giving it to Quickly and Merrill. And it's uh, okay. as you can see, it's about one point four million dollars between everyone, and we've used up all of our cap space. And t- and t- Tom Thibodeau is happy. He is. He's smiling. That, that beautiful man. Um, <sighs> he looks good there. He does. He looks good in this picture. I will he say looks that. Healthy. Okay. He looks healthy. Um, he does look healthy. So we're not done. There's there's clearly a couple needs that we have to address. So what what could those be? Well, first move. I've got trading Dennis Smith Jr. and cash because we still have some cash left to the Chicago Bulls for Cristiano Felicio and a 2021 second round pick for the Bulls. And if you're we're Jerry Reinsdorf, we're getting the Bulls' own 2021 second round pick. That's correct. If you're Jerry Reinsdorf, you've been giving away second round picks like candy. Um, you're saving money here. I, you're getting think, a point I, guard. I don't I, think I, you need to trade Dennis Smith Jr. to get this. I think giving cash for Cristiano Felicio would get you the second. Yes, but we can't absorb Cristiano Felicio on his own. Uh, and we also know that there's going to be a log jam at the one. So we want Dennis Smith Jr. to go to a team that he's a little bit more comfortable with. I actually, and, this and is he, the first thing you've done that I'm not a huge fan of. I, this, I, I would like, this is like okay. the very definition of selling low on Dennis Smith Jr. It is, it is. But again, I just, I don't see his value rising to the point between now and you know, the deadline where he's going to fetch something that's better than this. That's yeah, why but you didn't, that's why I went. And I, I did admittedly also need a roster spot. So, uh, because what I've got next is all right, let's see cutting Cristiano Felicio's poor Cristiano Brazilian, but, um, <laughs> then I've got a big trade. Oh boy. Oh, okay. Boy well, right. it, it's your ideal off season. So let's, let's see. It, it is. And what's more, uh, I'm not going to go too far into depth because this is what I've got an article out about. Okay, so let's just say what it is. The trade, Julius Randle, Alfred Payton, hey, remember him? Reggie Bullock, Theo Pinson, him too, to the Utah Jazz for Mike Conley Jr., Ed Davis, and a lottery-protected 2022 first-round pick. Now That then converts to... It's going to convert to a 2024 first-round pick because of how it works with Memphis. That's the likelihood. Um, so here's the thing. And I, I already know what you're thinking, John. So well, I, I'm thinking the, the jazz don't do this. Yes, exactly. So my whole article, and again, I'm just, just going to give yeah. the gist. The okay. gist is that the jazz are likely in financial peril. Yes. They do new have owner. a new owner. That's great. hundred percent. The issue is though, that they could easily be in the luxury tax in the 2021, 2022 season. And this year, if they re-sign Jordan Clarkson and if they sign a player with the mid-level exception and they do need to upgrade their bench, yeah, they're in the luxury tax zone. And they, the Gobert thing is still there and the obviously the Donovan, Donovan Mitchell, Mitchell extension. Okay, so you're... So I'm basically going from this is one of those types of moves that on paper you would say, yeah, I don't necessarily understand it. But when the finances kick in, it makes a little bit more sense. I mean, well... Okay. All right. Well, let's move on. I'm, I'm curious to read what, read what you write about it. Sure. Okay. And so again, now Mike Conley Jr. is there is the next starting point guard. That's pretty good. Yep. Yep. And now 
Lastly, which I think people also hate, if you're kind of trying to imagine what the depth chart is, Mm -hmm. uh, there's a glaring hole at the wing. We need help. We also need defense because we don't really have any. We have no cap space, but we do have a room exception. So we might as well use it. I could use it on a player like Wesley Awundu, but he's a restricted free agent. And I think that Orlando probably matches that type of deal. Who are you getting for the room exception that's a decent wing, a decent starting wing? I didn't say decent or starting, but I did say a defensive (laughs) wing. And that is why I am helping CAA with Michael Kidd Gilchrist. And again, this is not a move that I love. I just know that I need that type of player. Listen, friends help friends friends sign Michael Kidd Gilchrist. Here's the thing for context. John, do you know how many times in the last 16 years the Knicks finished with a top 15 defensive rating? Uh, In the last how many years? 16 years. With a top 15 defensive rating? Mm Mm-hmm. It's a, I know it's at least once. That's it. It's once. Yeah, okay. One time. So look, I think the fact that Michael Kidd Gilchrist can't shoot is abysmal. I would not want him in any other circumstance. No, I'm, I'm fine but with it. We, the, we need the defense. We There's no one else to give this money to because we need help at the wing. That's where we stand. So extend Mitchell Robinson. Extending Mitchell Robinson. Again, with- I think that I would like to keep his cap hold open, but lock him in. That's fine. And then I've got extending Frank Nilakina as well. Of course. Yeah. So, Great. So now, with our cap space. <laughs> Folks at home, if you're listening to this on a podcast, even if you never go on YouTube, go search up the Knicks Film School YouTube channel. Just, I hope we can. I'm, I'm subscribe, glad. first of all. Subscribe. subscribe. Yeah, subscribe. Subscribe to this. Like this video. Thumbs up for your boys. Yeah, thumbs up for, for yeah, we're your, we're, your, we're your boys too. Shout out to you. Um, Shout out CP of Knicks Man TV. So, Um, yes, okay. So here's where we're at. We're certainly over the cap in terms of uh, 13 million, but that's fine. We're not, we're not paying luxury taxes, so we're totally cool here. Next year, James Dolan's money. Who gives a shit? Exactly. Uh, Next year, we've got, uh, you know, I should say the 21-22 season, 30.7 million dollars in cap space, and it's uh, malleable because I gave Michael Kidd Gilchrist that second year. I gave him for the room exception only a million dollars guaranteed. So, can we just say really quick? Let's. So, the starting lineup that you have concocted is. Tell me if I've missed anybody. Uh, Mike Conley Jr. as a starting point guard. Um, your starting wings are R.J. Barrett and Justin Holiday, and then front court Danilo Gallinari and Mitchell Robinson. Mm-hmm. Coming off the bench, you have. Um, Rookie, um, Killian Hayes, uh, Frank Nilakina. You have, I guess, Mike, uh, Kevin Knox, mm-hmm. and then Michael Kidd Gilchrist and Iggy Brasdakis fight it out for the backup four. Maybe they both get time. And then as your backup five, you have Killian Tilly, I guess, would be, or and, maybe Ed Davis. Ed Davis, Ed Davis right. is Who also there. was a great mentor in Brooklyn to Jared Allen. Yes. So that's, We're, yeah. That is the one reason why I'm electing to keep him. And Mike and not... Scott's there too. Let's not forget right. about Mike Scott. He's also a exactly. big guy that could come off the bench. Oh, this, I mean, the regional manager. <laughs> look, the way, the way I look at this is, <laughs> the... <laughs> uh, this is listen. That's that's a that's a that's a basketball team. Look, I, I know that if you're if you're listening or if you're watching, you're going to 
potentially have issues with it. I don't give a fuck. Um, I like <laughs> this team as is. But here's the thing. I, I'm trying to make this team a little bit more competitive, but not to the point where I'm losing no, it, sight of what the future holds. This I is still want to give the kids ample time. I think uh, I have like eight or nine of 15 players who are 23 or younger. So I'm still all in on the youth movement. That's what I care about. But you, you learn a lot playing around good players. Can and, I just... Sorry, I keep going. Yeah, no, it, it just... It's the sort of thing where I see these guys as as complimenting the young players, not taking advantage of them to the point where they're mercenary players where, you know, a lot of these guys have contracts for the second year. So if you're Gallinari, if you're Holiday, you don't have to worry about getting paid. You can worry about playing within the flow of uh, Thibodeau's team. And and your head's not so totally at the point where um, you're, it's, it's all about me. Mike Conley Jr., you're close with Leon Rose, former agent. Yeah. That's the sort of thing where you know that the guys that you have in your building, like you were talking about Westbrook. This to me, as I was doing it, was like, this is the type of environment where if I'm a young player, I feel really comfortable here. And I know that I'm playing around players who either were or at the tail end of their careers. And I can take my, I can take their jobs. I can go in and get um, it or I can learn under them. I, I I love it. The, the the reason I'm not more excited about this is that I think I think my getting Mike Connolly Jr. is is a, a stretch. Um, and, and I have a and feeling I, I acknowledge as such in my article. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm sure. I, again, I can't wait to read it. I'm excited about it. I wonder. You know, it's interesting. That's the type of thing where it's like, again, I'm not saying Utah would do this. But like you have the Knicks getting back a future first in this deal. I wonder if like the Knicks were to send like the 27th pick in, um, in this draft or like send the Pistons second or send Charlotte second from next year to Utah would it make it. I just I'm not sure. I'm not. I don't know. Maybe. I, they, yes, I, I agree. I and I. Again, that that I also talk about. I think because I more... I love what you've done and the and the no, the notion of putting this team together with like Mike Connolly Jr., Danilo Gallinari, Justin Holiday, Mike Scott, Michael Kidd, Gilchrist as like veteran reinforcements that are so much better than the ones they went out and got last they summer. Fit. They fit with fit what you hundred percent fits. It, it, this is a nice team that's going to finish with the what fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth worst record that's, in the league. That's the but, other thing. I I think yeah. that if, if everything breaks. It's great, yeah. but I don't see it as that. I, I see no, Mike I Conley it's... getting injured. I see Gallinari maybe wanting a trade because the Knicks are, you know, the wheels start to fall off. I see Ed Davis not getting a whole lot of minutes. And if you're carried by your youth, you're not going to win a ton of games. I, so that that's, yes, that's what I, I like. I like what you did. Look, if they, if they actually did this. Oh my God, there's yeah. another slide. Last, it's the last slide. It's okay. The last slide. So there we go. Restating. Add youth. We did that. You did that. Surround Mitch and RJ with ball handling, floor spacers, smart defenders. We did, did that. that. No immovable contracts. We did that. Foster competitive environment. Uh, Done. Yeah, we did that. Acquire more future assets than we're sending out. Yeah, even if you took away the idea of a first round pick alongside Conley, and even if you you're had a second going out, you're still you've acquired at least one more. Great. And then lastly, flexibility in 2021 but a keen focus on 2022, just to go back. I believe that the final amount is $48 million in cap space for 2022, but it's flawed because that's also Kevin Knox's number. You've got pieces that you can make to trade. 
Um, yeah, no, you could you could pretty easily get to. I mean, you could get to a lot of money in twenty twenty two in your scenario. Not to mention they have a, a good deal of money in um, next summer. Should yeah. should something transpire and you need to move a little bit to get to max base. Listen, man, this was awesome. This was really this was pretty spectacular. I, I I'm I'm speechless. Really, that was really that was really good. Um, we're we're gonna make sure we figure out a way to get that um, up on the YouTube. I hope it came through on this, but even if it didn't, we'll figure out a way. Um, wow, this is like a a Pod Strickland length podcast. Is there anything else we need to talk about? I would say, I guess, just this week is going to be crazy. It's gonna be nuts. It's already uh, started. It it has, and it's gonna be a lot of fun. So I guess the one piece of advice, and this kind of goes in the similar vein of Peyton and Pinson and all these guys. If you see the Knicks make a move and you're hesitant about it, or you feel like you want to scream or tweet out what the <laughs> hell are they doing? Just take a deep breath because one piece could be a precursor for a bigger thing. So just keep all that in mind. Um, it's just basketball. It's going to be fun. And if it isn't, John and I will rant about it on the next podcast and we'll have a great time. Uh, I hope we don't have to do that. I hope we're, we're singing Leon and co's praises, but um, I I'm excited about this week and I hope you guys are too. I'm excited about it. I meant what I said at the top of the show, which is that I really, you know, again, nobody drinks the Kool-Aid like I do. Um, I've, I've had it. I've had blue and orange Kool-Aid patched into my, my veins for, Going on um, 20, uh, I'm old. My goodness, I'm so old. For years, being, some what? years. 20, yeah, 20, a handful 20, of years. 20, 27 years. Um, so, you know, I, I, I understand if you're going to take what, what I'm saying with like, yeah, you know, you're full of shit. I, I really, unless they traded away like one of those key key young guys or unless they traded away like the eighth pick or like um, – and even there are scenarios where I could see trading away the eighth pick making sense if it brings them back um, the chance at a, a, a pretty decent pick next year, um, you know. But like, it just don't don't trade away any future firsts. Acquire future assets, if anything. I'm not sure what they could do this this offseason that would really, really, really make me say like, oh, that's terrible. Even even Westbrook, and that's why I wanted to have the discussion because as much as I'm not in favor of it, as and as much as if you're listening, you probably are not in favor of it. Um, and you probably shouldn't be. It's 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 fraught with risk. Um, I, I I think it's safe to sit here and be like excited about what's going to happen, and feel good about that excitement, um, as opposed to perpetual nervousness. Um, all right, um, everybody, go and um, Jeremy. When is your next piece coming out? It'll be. I mean, today. If you're listening, there, to this, there you go. So Monday, check out uh, Jeremy's piece on the Strickland. Um, if you're not. We never plug ourselves on Twitter. I'm not going to plug myself, but follow Jeremy. You're he's at the the coincidence, the K O H E N C I D. No, no, no. It begins with a C. C O H E N. C O H E N. What did I say? K. Oh, Jesus! Did I? That's all right. Well, wow. You say Jesus after I say Cohen. All right, whatever. The coincidence. <laughs> C O H E N C I D E N C E. I'd plug John, but we know that plug you're, me. if you're you listening know. to this, you're already following him. So. Yeah. So, but if you're um, not, I don't know what you're doing. Uh, so yeah, go follow Jeremy, read his stuff. He's, he's awesome. Thank you for doing this, Jeremy. And uh, yeah, one, one more time, um, check out our, our YouTube channel and subscribe to it because we're, we're um, I should have made a bigger deal about that at the top of the show, but of course I don't think so. I didn't, um, 
it's it's uh, the next next film school. Just look up next film school on YouTube and subscribe. Uh, we're gonna start putting up the podcast content up there, some other fun stuff, hopefully. And uh, we will uh, be in touch later this week. Thank you.